Are you tired of spending countless hours in the kitchen every week trying to figure out what to make and constantly overspending on takeout? My guide, Well Prepped, is here to revolutionize your mealtime routine by offering you the perfect solution. Prep once, cook twice, and enjoy delicious, macro-friendly meals all week long. The food struggle is real. You want to eat well-balanced meals that taste good. You want to make most of your meals at home, but don't want to be a slave to your kitchen. You know you should be eating more protein, but don't know how in the world to get it in. You're overwhelmed with just choosing a recipe you have saved, so you end up getting takeout again. Insert well-prepped, a guide I created to take the guesswork out of efficiently making delicious, macro-friendly meals. This guide provides you with eight weeks of recipes. Each week, you'll prep once for 30 minutes, cook twice, and then enjoy eating all week. That's right. The two recipes will make you a total of six meals. I even made Instacart links for all the weekly groceries you'll need so you don't even need to think about grocery shopping. I'm all about saving time, money, and mental energy when it comes to feeding my family healthy meals, and now I get to share that with you. Grab your copy of Well Prepped at aishazaza.com. And from my kitchen to yours, cheers to eating well and being well prepped. Did you know Wonderful Pistachios is a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids? They are also one of the highest protein snack nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of complete protein, which is 12% of your recommended daily value. The best part is Wonderful Pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, and they are so delicious. They're perfect for enjoying with friends and family or taking with you on the go. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Welcome to the Mindset Mile podcast, the show that'll leave you empowered to take action towards becoming the turned up version of your already awesome self. I'm your host, Aisha Zaza, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hey friend, and welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Upswing Fitness, and I think you're going to find this conversation with human design coach Alexandra Cole extremely informative and fascinating. Alexandra coaches individuals, families, and companies using a system called human design, which she describes as a hybrid between astrology and a personality test. This self-awareness tool offers insight into how we are each designed to operate in the most optimal, easeful way. From making decisions and communicating effectively to practicing self-care and connecting with others. I know after learning more from this interview, you are going to be dying to know your own energy type and those whom you are closest with, because personally, it's been such a helpful tool to understand not only myself better, but my husband, daughter, and those I interact with frequently. As always, thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy. All right, Alexandra Cole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited about this conversation. Alexandra is a human design coach, and I recently learned about human design through Alexandra, and I'm so fascinated by this topic, and I felt like it was going to be such a valuable add to have to the show. So I will let you go ahead and just explain to us what is human design? How did you get into it? Tell us. 
Ooh, I'll try to give you the short version of this story. Um, human design is essentially, or the way that I like to describe it, is that it is a mix between astrology, so that's more of the woo-woo element, and then a personality test that has a ton of practical information about how you as an individual are designed to thrive, essentially. And it's based on energetics. So think about human design as giving you kind of a, a blueprint or a roadmap to how you are designed to use your energy in terms of interacting with the world around you, what to invest your energy in, how your energy expresses itself in the form of gifts and talents in the most optimal, effective way. So it tells individuals how they can best communicate, make decisions, connect with other people, work, eat, play, all of those things. Um, and it's very much based on the premise that we are all unique. And so we are also all designed to operate in a slightly different way, even though I think we live in a world today that often terms, oftentimes drives people to conform. And there's one best way of doing something. And so human design as kind of a system really gives you the self-awareness to kind of take control of that and lean into the things that actually might work better for you so that you can let go of some of those pressures that we feel to act or operate a certain way. And I actually started my career in management consulting, very, very corporate um, but I'd always been fascinated by kind of purpose, human potential, personal development, and I would take every personality test that I came across. And I somehow someone introduced me to human design, and it was one of those things where I couldn't get it out of my head, and I felt so drawn to want to learn more. And the more I started to apply some of the insights I learned about myself uh, to my own life, the more impact I saw. And so I just kind of slowly but surely started to practice it and eventually kind of really moved to start a side hustle business in human design. So now my career is, is mostly twofold. I still work with those large corporations. Um, I actually started my, my own business about eight or nine years ago. And then now I also have my human design design side hustle where I work with individuals, couples, families around how to basically apply the insights um, to live a more kind of effective, but also easeful life. I love that. That's such a great summary. Thank you. Um, so how would you say, how is it different? How is human design different than astrology or Enneagram or any other tests, personality tests that you've taken before? Okay, so I feel like there's, I mean, astrology and the Enneagram are different in and of itself because the Enneagram is more of a subjective test, right? So if you're familiar with things like Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, DISC, there's so many of those types of tests where you take a basically a questionnaire essentially and it pops out a type that you are. So it's subjective in the sense that you're answering the questions based on yourself. So you might be a little bit biased in the way that you're responding and your responses may change over time, depending on where you're at in life, what's going on for you, what you've experienced. Whereas astrology is something that's based on your birth time, date and place. So that's more fixed for your entire life. You're going to have the same sun sign, right? The same rising sign. 
Human design is a little bit more like astrology in that sense that you get a what we call a chart, right? And it is looks very complicated the first time you look up your human design chart. Um, but that chart is yours for life. It does not change. And what I love about that is that it allows you to really dive into it, get to know yourself and really start to understand and become more aware of how various aspects of your chart might express themselves at different periods of your life. It's a little bit more fixed, um, which I appreciate and something that um, I think also differentiates human design from astrology specifically is that whereas astrology is a little bit more I don't know, fatalistic in a way, or it kind of tries to predict this is what's going to happen, you know, when human design is something that is really up to you what you do with it, right? It's not saying this is going to happen to you in five years, in 10 years, when this thing transits that. It really is more about this is, you know, what you have to work with. And if you do the work to better understand, you know, how you're designed to eat, how you're designed to communicate most effectively, you're going to be able to reap those benefits in a very kind of sustainable ongoing way. So it, it kind of puts the onus and control more on the individual to kind of be accountable to operate in alignment with their quote unquote chart rather than putting the onus on some bigger, you know, external force that we can't control that kind of we're at the mercy of. Yeah, that makes sense. And I love what you said about um, the Enneagram test, because I found myself, I've only taken it once, but I found myself answering questions the way I think I am, as opposed to, I was like, it started to make me question like, am I this way or do I think I am this way? And it was very hard to be fully transparent, I think, because I thought I was answering them honestly. But um, sometimes when I see my Enneagram number and wing number or whatever, or even to that to that note, um, my star sign, I don't feel like I always align like with it. So I'm kind of like, I want to know like, who am I truly? Like, how am I truly hardwired? It could be a lot when there's so many intriguing information, you know, about all these different things. And I can't wait to get into my, my, my chart that you're going to explain <laughs> to us. But before we get into that, can you tell us about the five energy types that there are in human design? Absolutely. So every personality test, right, loves to have kind of some foundational categories that we put people in. And in human design, that kind of initial characterization, I guess, or categorization is what we call an energy type. But it really is just the foundation of the house, and it only talks about your energetic operating system. So it doesn't necessarily speak to your personality or your digestion. There's so many other elements of the chart that kind of get layered on top of that initial kind of categorization. But these five energy types are super important because they tell you based on which of those types you are, how you're designed to invest your energy in order to get the greatest return on that investment, essentially. That is all it is. And each of the five types has 
kind of a recommended strategy for how to best use your energy, as well as kind of clear signs when you are doing that, when you're operating in the right way, and when you're not, when you're operating in a way that isn't quote unquote aligned. And knowing what those signs are is obviously super helpful because it can help you start to identify like, oh wait, maybe I'm kind of trying to be something that I'm not, right? Or forcing myself to keep up a pace that doesn't actually work for me. So there's these five different types and I'll kind of go through each of them. I'll start with yours, manifester. Um, so a manifester, this group actually only makes up about 9% of the population. So it's a relatively kind of small minority group out of these categories. Manifestors are kind of the people who are here to initiate, to create new movements, to rally the troops, to basically um, do their thing. Like I always say, a manifester is just here to do them. And manifestors are most empowered and powerful when they feel like they have enormous amounts of freedom to pursue what we call their urges. Manifestors receive these like sudden kind of really urgent pings, let's say, to go do something, to travel somewhere, to start something, to take action. And you as a manifester are going to feel best and most alive and most fulfilled when you have the freedom to actually immediately follow that, that urge. And that's how you've been kind of designed to invest your energy in the most effective way. Now, the way that this happens for a manifester is that they have these huge bursts of energy and then they kind of come down from that energy and need to massively rest, reset, recharge because they expend so much in that moment of the urge and they create so much that they really need to kind of spend some time, what I call plugging yourself into the wall, essentially, to really reboot and recharge. And You'll notice for manifestors that when you are not allowing yourself to kind of pursue those urges, because a very common one is people pleasing, manifestors are supposed to be so big. And yet we live in a world that's kind of intimidated by that big type of energy, right? Mm -hmm. But it takes big energy to create big movements and be this pioneer, which is what you're supposed to be. But people can find that a little intimidating. Sometimes it also ruffles people's feathers, right? Manifestors are, can be very triggering, especially manifestor kids, because parents are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do you suddenly know what you want and how to make it happen? And it's like they don't even need any parenting. Um, and so as a result, a lot of manifestors find themselves kind of out of their power and looking for permission and validation constantly for what they want to do. It's almost like they're afraid to make those moves. And so when you experience that as a manifester, a lot of the times it, it kind of makes you feel angry and frustrated mm -hmm. inside. And you may not necessarily recognize it immediately as anger, but there's this like red hot fire that wants to come out that can't. And so it feels very restricting and limited. And so I meet a lot of manifestors that, you know, tell me like, oh, this doesn't actually sound like me at all. And when I ask them, you know, do you have any of that anger? They're like, no, no, not at all. But then they have enormous gut issues or they break out in hives when they're stressed, right? So any of that type of kind of red hot fire that needs to get out that can't um, might come out in other ways as well. So for manifestors, anger is actually super healthy and something to really pay attention to because it usually means that you're looking for permission instead of just kind of doing your thing. 
or that you are pushing yourself too hard for too long and not taking the time to do the resting and resetting in between those kind of big energetic bursts. And manifestors are always going to be happiest when they feel like they have the freedom that I talked about and when they feel most at peace. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing you can do for a manifestor is try to micromanage them, which you probably know from <laughs> personal experience. Like it's better to let them just make the mistakes themselves and learn from them rather than to try and control that. So that's the manifestor energy type. Now, The kind of largest group, I guess, is what we call generators. And then there's another category that is manifesting generator. And so the manifesting generator, I'll talk about second, but that's a little bit of a hybrid between the manifester that you are and the generator. Generators, which I'm part of, make up about 30 to 35% of the population. And we are kind of here to be more of the motors of society. So the way that a generator's energy works is you wake up and you have this full tank of energy, kind of burn through that energy slowly throughout the day until it's gone, your tank is empty, you fall asleep, and you wake up with that full tank of energy. So it's a very kind of consistent, sustainable type of energy. Really, generators are here to kind of like, they have the ability to hustle and grind and put their head down and just make stuff happen. Generators, the way that we refuel our tank is by listening to our gut center, which is kind of like right the, the sacral chakra, which lives right behind the belly button. And the gut in human design speaks this language of excitement. So when we are excited about something, that is the stuff that like gets our juices flowing, our creative juices flowing. That's the stuff that regenerates our refuels, our battery. And in this ideal world, generators would be spending investing all their time and energy in purely in things that excite them because that's where they get that greatest return on the investment. The trouble is that generators, because of being these doers from a very young age, are often just praised for when they do stuff and when they do stuff for other people, right? That's where they kind of get their accolades. And so there's this strange relationship with most generators between feeling only like valued and productive when they are executing, Mm. when they are doing, Mm -hmm. which makes it really difficult to start to say no to things because you just, you would rather have something to do and rather please someone by doing something for them than have nothing to do, even if that's what's necessary for you to kind of focus on the things that actually excite you. So, so many generators end up in that place where they're fine right? We're f- I'm fine. Like they're, they're not super low energy, but they're also not really realizing their potential because they keep saying yes to stuff. That's like medium level exciting to them or not really exciting to them, but they feel like they should, right? They feel like they owe it to someone. They feel like it's the right thing to do. Mm. And so for generators, really the most important thing is to just ask themselves, like, look at your plate, right? Like your proverbial plate, what of things that you've committed to, whether it's jobs, right? Whether it's parenting responsibilities, whether it's relationships, friendships, and ask yourself super honestly, like, am I excited about all of this stuff, right? Am I excited about going to coffee with this person or does it actually feel like draining and I'm dreading it? Am I excited to go to my tennis lesson or does it actually feel more of like a chore that I have to do? And 
start to kind of, again, rethink how you are investing that time and energy and maximize the amount of time you're spending on the stuff that excites you and really try to minimize all the other stuff, even if that means having a conversation with your boss and saying like, these are the three things that I actually love doing, right? Is there a way to spend more time on that? Um, or getting help and support, like, you know, also in working out, like find the things that you actually are really excited about. Why force yourself to do the things that don't? Because I guarantee you, they're just going to slowly, slowly deplete you. And a generator is most powerful and most magnetic when they are able to kind of have that like overflow of energy, because that's what they're here to share. They're really here to get people excited about life and about living and that will make them kind of the, the best version that they can be essentially, not just for themselves, but for everyone else around them. Manifesting generators, which is kind of the hybrid between those two types is very similar to generators. And so just kind of like copy paste everything I just said. The only difference is that manifesting generators are often excited by a lot of different things. They're, they're kind of the multi-passionate entrepreneur that's constantly kind of jumping from one thing to the other, right? They might be people who, from a also example, fitness perspective, want to try everything and need a ton of variety because they're kind of constantly um, drawn to different things. And in the moment, their lives can sometimes feel like they're all over the place. Like it can literally feel like I'm so, I have no idea what's going on, where this is leading. And it's only in hindsight that they'll say, oh, wait, that opportunity led to this opportunity led to that. And it suddenly makes sense. I think of them as the honeybees that have to kind of float or fly from flower to flower and cross pollinate because if they were to force themselves to live on one flower for the rest of their lives, they would slowly die. And all the other flowers would miss out on everything that they have to offer. So that's the manifesting generator. I love that analogy, by the way. That was such a beautiful way to put it. I have a lot of those because I've had to kind of figure out a way to, in a very jargon-free, relatable way, explain some of these concepts that are a little like energetic and woo. Um, so analogies are kind of my best friend in this. Totally. Way. I mean, no, you can tell that you know what you're doing like backwards and forwards. And I just love hearing you talk about the different energy types. This is so fascinating. So keep going. Okay. I'll try to keep it, keep it short. We just have two to go. That's okay. So projectors is another kind of minority group, quote unquote. Um, they make up about 20% of the population and projectors big gift is guiding. Projectors have the ability to see things more clearly than anyone else and to really have this kind of fresh perspective. They can cut through the BS so quickly. Projectors immediately see what's missing, what's wrong, and what needs to be done in order to improve something or in order to bring efficiency. So projectors are often drawn towards optimizing systems, optimizing people, optimizing you companies, you name it. Projector energy though is Whereas the, the manifestor, like I talked about, is like big burst and then kind of big crash. Projectors are more like ebb and flow. They too have very inconsistent energy and they don't actually have control over their own energy. It's very much shaped by the environment around them. So projectors, that ebb and flow, they are able to kind of focus intensely on one thing at a time. That is where a projector shines when they have the ability to just do that one task or focus on that one person. 
And after kind of this like more intense burst where they have that focus, they too really need to rest and reset. And for a projector, that happens best when they're alone because they're constantly absorbing that energy from the environment. They really need to be able to kind of like shut the door and just sit for a period of time. And you could actually still be doing something. The real difference is that no one is expecting anything from you and there is no kind of pressure to have an outcome or a result. So my husband is a projector and I used to just not understand why when he needed to reset, he'd just be sitting on the couch watching Netflix and I, you know, ask if I could join him and watch the show. And that, even that you could notice was not enough for him to recharge. He literally needed to be sitting there by himself because even just me sitting next to him in silence was like too much of my energy that was kind of coming. <laughs> so, and I used to take it personally. Honestly, this is where you can see how human design can be so helpful in relationships. And we can talk about that a little bit later, but just understanding how people can be so different from you in terms of, for me, I recharge automatically. I don't have to think about it. It happens overnight. And for him, he really intentionally needs to make time and take time out of his day to do that work. Um, so projectors, biggest gift is the guiding. One of the things that comes up for projectors a lot is that because they can very easily see what's missing and how things can be improved, they can sometimes be perceived as a little bit of a know-it-all. And that because they often do know it all, right? All they are trying to do is help. But if the other person is not ready for that help or that insight or that criticism um, and not ready to do something with it, it can be super frustrating. And so projectors are best served. Their strategy is basically what we call to wait for an invitation, which essentially just means waiting for the other person that you want to help or guide to actually ask for that help, whether it's like, an, you know, verbally putting it into words or just kind of like a, more of an energetic invitation, because that is how they can be smarter about how they use their energy. And they're here to work smarter, not harder, right? Because when they see something that's wrong and they want to go in and fix it by waiting for that invitation, it makes sure that once they invest that time and energy in that thing, there's actually going to be a return on that investment. And that is where a projector feels most powerful when they're seen, heard, recognized, and appreciated and valued for what they're doing. It's really about those contributions. And if they go around and try to fix people's problems that don't want those problems fixed, they're going to expend all that energy and they don't have unlimited reserves like the generator does. They're going to expend all that energy and they're not going to get anything in return. And then they're going to feel really bitter. So if you're a projector and you feel bitter or resentful, it's a sign that either you haven't waited for the invitation or that you are pushing yourself too hard to live at this generator pace of life because generators and manifesting generators make up the 70% of the population. And so the whole world, especially professionally, is built around that type of hustle, grind, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. eight to five workday, right? That is a generator workday. A projector should actually have like a three or a four hour workday, right? They have that intense burst and then they can be just as productive in those few hours as they could, like as anyone else could in that entire day. So keep in mind that for anyone that isn't a generator, 
you're living in a world that's going to try and push you to keep up a pace that may not be sustainable. And so you need to take control and take those moments of rest and tap out and start to accept that just because it is what is modeled out there, just because your company says, you know, they're opening out business hours are eight to five doesn't mean that that is going to actually serve you in the best way possible. And there's nothing wrong with you if it doesn't work for you, right? It's just being more mindful about how you're going to get the most out of kind of your energetic reserves. As you know, my sponsor, Get the Tea, has a unique selection of organic, non-GMO teas and supplements made right here in the USA. The teas are all for cleansing your gut in a very gentle yet effective way. They have formulated just the right blend of all natural herbs that will clean your body from the inside. They've got three flavors, natural, pomegranate, and peppermint. Just brew, steep, refrigerate, and drink. It's that simple. Who doesn't love a refreshing glass of iced tea? I know I do. I drink it every day. It's a mild cleanse for my body and it tastes great. Go to getthetea.com forward slash Zaza, that's Z-A-Z-A, and save $8 off your first month of tea. Again, that's getthetea.com forward slash Zaza. And then the very last type I'll touch on super quickly is a reflector. They only make up 1% of the population. And reflectors are... Where I said that projectors are very sensitive to their environment, reflectors are literally a reflection or a mirror of the environment that they're in. So they basically are completely dependent on who they're with and where they're at. And they're constantly responding to that environment. So when they're with kind of the high energy generators, they match that energy. When they're with a projector, they might be a little bit more mellow. When they are with an artsy crew of people, they can kind of go along and be that artsy person. When they're with an outdoorsy type of person, they're suddenly kind of like the leader of the camp, right? So there's they're just constantly adapting and adjusting, which can be very exhausting because you can kind of lose yourself in that process. And that's why for a reflector, the best thing to do is just to constantly live in the moment because traditionally they are meant to be our gut check or our pulse check for the rest of kind of society or the group essentially, because they're when they're healthy means the group is healthy when they're sick, which a lot of the times reflectors can actually um, experience, you know, illness in a way that is more due to kind of the burden, the emotions, the fears, everything that they are taking on from the world around them, um, rather than anything that's kind of being driven by their own internal state, which is kind of interesting. So reflectors are the super rare breed, supposed to live in the moment, supposed to kind of be lit up and delighted by life by kind of constantly taking it one step at a time and never supposed to try and um, kind of cling too much to a certain identity or a certain feeling because it may be gone tomorrow. Um, so that's kind of the the five energy types and and how you can kind of start to work with your energy in order to get the that the most out of life essentially. Oh, I love that. I'm just hanging on every word. And I'm sure for people listening to like as they're listening to you describe these different energy types and people, they're kind of going through their life like, yep, that's my spouse or that's my best friend. That's my mom. You know, it's very, it's very exact. Like the way that you are describing these energy types feels like it's so spot on with so many people that are 
you know, come to the top of the mind when you're learning about this. It's, it's wild. So I thought it would be really cool. I know that you've done my human design chart. I thought it would be really interesting for people to hear kind of what you go through and what are these like points of, I guess, energy or parts of the, I know you identify them too as like chakras, like how are you, how are you getting this information? What does it all mean? So could you just go over my human design chart and give people like a glimpse into what breaking all of this down looks like per individual? Totally. And what might be helpful, and you might already be planning to do this, is to kind of share your chart in the show notes so people can kind of see it. Um, But for everyone else, if you want to pull up your own chart so you can kind of have a look at that too, you can go to www.myhumandesign.com. And if you just fill in your birth details, you'll get a free chart. Just I'm saying that so that you have a visual as I start to go through yours as well. So when you pull that chart up, the first thing that you're going to see is what we call these nine different energy centers, which just like you said, is basically... The, the nine different chakras. So each of these centers governs a particular part of the human body psyche experience. So there is a center for emotions. There is a center for identity. There's a center for communication. And the centers are kind of different, like bigger shapes. They're, they're triangles or they're squares. And you'll see different kind of numbered lines coming out of each center. And those numbered lines basically are ways that the energy of that center could potentially manifest itself in you in the form of gifts, in the form of like kind of character traits and so on. So when I look at anyone's chart, the very, very first thing I'm looking at is what is colored in in the chart. And that whatever color it is doesn't matter, but what is colored in? Because those things for you, think of that as your anchors basically to your true inner self. So those things that are colored are the most consistent for you. This is where you have the most direct connection to your truth. These are the the places that are, are actually best for you to really rely on as you move through life and make decisions because they are always going to be reliable. Whereas the white things in your chart, the white centers and the white lines, those are the parts where you aren't as anchored to your own inner truth. And so you're much more sensitive to the outside world. You're much more likely to pick up on other people's stuff, their emotions, their thoughts, their energy. Um, And sometimes so much so that you kind of mistake it for your own. And that is where even just looking at your chart and starting starting to understand, you you can basically grasp like, okay, what are the parts of me that are most reliable that I can actually turn to when making decisions? And what are the parts of me that I might need to question a little bit more because I'm so much more sensitive to who I'm with, where I am, what phase of life I might be in. So first and foremost, we're looking at kind of like those, those two things. So when I'm looking at your chart, a few things that kind of strike me immediately, right? So the colored centers for you, the things that are most kind of reliable and consistent are one, your intuition. So your intuition is really, really strong. And that is a center that is important for you to trust and lean into. And intuition is tough in that it kind of like pops up really quickly and then it's gone. Like you get one of those like very quick downloads of call this person, take this turn. And if you don't listen to that intuition in the moment, 
it's gone. And immediately your kind of fear voice will jump in and say, why would you call that person? They're on a different time zone. What if they don't pick up? Or why would you take a left turn? There's always traffic there. So for you, knowing that you can trust it means when you get those like instant downloads that don't make any sense because the intuition doesn't always make sense. It's just there, this, this knowing, trust it. Know that you can trust it because that's where you're most kind of connected to that inner truth. Another one for you that is colored is your emotional center. And this one is like a key center for you because you are designed to be what we call an emotional decision maker which means that you're meant to make decisions or you're going to make the best decisions when they're based off of your feelings, your moods, and your emotions. And the things that you naturally emotionally resonate with or gravitate towards. And you might also notice, remember how I said that you as a manifester get those like urges to like do something and you have to do them then. Those for you are going to be very emotionally driven. Like you're going to feel this really strong emotional pull to need to do something, or you might, you know, be reading some type of article and have like, and it's a really like an article that pulls at your heartstrings and you're instantly going to feel like I need to take action now in response to this. The thing with emotional decision makers though, and I know this because I'm also an emotional decision maker is that we rarely have true clarity about how we feel in the moment. So emotions are like a wave that come crashing over you. And I like to say, you never want to make these big decisions in life when you're at that like crescendo moment of the crash, because you're going to be so overwhelmed by these emotions that you're not really going to know how you feel and what that means. You want to wait until the water's kind of come back down and you're slowly, gently bobbing at the surface. So for example, right, if I get into an argument with my husband, if we were to like get right into it immediately, my two responses are start to cry or shut down. Like the emotion is so overwhelming and then I can't articulate myself properly. And that's really frustrating to me. If I give myself some time and if I say, hey, can we discuss this later? Or I just kind of remove myself from the situation. I give the emotions kind of time to come down and start to bob at the surface. And that's where I can better understand like, okay, this is how I feel. This is why I feel that way. And this is what I want to say. And then when we have the conversation, it is so much more effective. Mm -hmm. So for you as an emotional decision maker, trust your emotions, let those be your guide, which by the way, is difficult in a world that puts so much pressure on making like analytical, well thought through, right? Objective decisions. You're actually not designed to function that way. You are actually designed to make decisions based on those emotions, but you just need to give yourself a little bit of extra time to figure out exactly what that feeling is trying to tell you. So that center is really important to you. Another one of your colored centers, so the ones that's most reliable, is your ego center, which is the center that is basically your main motivation. So this means that your motivation comes from within. You are in control of your own motivation and the things for you based on your chart that are most motivating are doing things on your own terms like really, truly, and this is, I think, a theme throughout your chart is that you are very um, much an individual operator. And the ability to have that freedom to do things on your own terms is really motivating to you. Also having a certain level of control and with that specifically financial freedom 
super motivating to you. So when you're kind of setting goals for yourself, right, having some type of financial metric associated with it or a really good idea of what financial freedom feels like or is going to be in terms of an absolute number is going to actually be a super strong incentive for you. Whereas for someone else, that might not even matter at all, right? So this is kind of what we can pull from our chart. And then finally, the other big motivator for you is having an impact on people. And the way that you have the greatest impact on other people is by pushing them out of their comfort zone. So you are someone who is really here to kind of like nudge just for the sake of another analogy. And I may have shared this when we spoke too, is I imagine you being kind of like the mama bird in a nest, flicking the little birds out, right? To like learn how to fly. And you're like, you can do this. I know you can do this, but you kind of need to give them that little extra nudge. That's how you have kind of the greatest impact on this world. And that also to you is the most kind of, again, motivating thing. Um, So when you feel like, again, low energy, or you know you need to get something done, think of those three things. Can I do this on my own terms? Is there some type of like financial, you know, goal that I can set for myself? And can I clarify the impact that I want to have on people and how I'm going to have that impact? Like if you can get those three things set, you're going to be golden, right? You're going to be able to like tap that well of drive so much more effectively. Now, really quickly, just to touch on one or two open centers, just to give people an example of that too, right? One of your open centers is your identity center. And this center being open means that you, in a way, are more designed to be a chameleon. Your identity is constantly adapting to that environment around you. And so you might find that you have very different types of groups of friends. And when you're in one group, they see a certain side of Asia, right? And when you're in another group, they see a different side. And it's not like you're just, you're trying to be something that you're not. It's just that you're very adaptable in that sense. And you might even find that when you travel, you very quickly adapt to the way of life in that location, right? And Sometimes people who have this open identity center can get confused and they're like, okay, well, who, which version of this am I actually? And the truth is you're all of them and none of them at the same time. And the the sooner you can just accept that and stop putting pressure on yourself to be one or to cling to one of those identities, like for you being able to kind of switch between mother Asia, athlete Asia, podcaster Asia, like All of those require a slightly different approach, and that's actually really great and and aligned for you to basically show up in slightly different ways in each of those roles. So don't worry about, oh my gosh, I don't bring the mother Asia to work. That's exactly how you're supposed to function and operate, right? Whereas someone else who had that center colored, it's more consistent. They're going to show up in a very similar way across all of those different roles. The other thing about having this center open, because it's also the one that kind of determines our direction in life, is that your life path is very much determined by the people that you surround yourself with. So instead of having a ton of control over, let's say, your five-year plan, you actually are better served by making sure you're surrounded by some really awesome people that you trust to bring opportunities to you, because your path is going to kind of 
develop in a very opportunistic way. You're not going to be able to foresee what someone is going to invite you to do or how you're going to be pulled in. And so letting go of that control over what that plan and path looks like is very freeing and very necessary for you to make sure that your mind and you know body are open to all those potential things. So focus on making sure that you're surrounded by really, really awesome people that you trust to kind of guide you into whatever comes next. And then the last open center I'll just briefly touch on, because this one I think is really helpful for people too, is one of your, your head center. So basically the center that rules our thought process, opinions, all of that is open. So quite literally, it means you are designed to have an open mind. You're designed to look at things from lots of different angles and to entertain different perspectives and to ask a lot of questions. That's kind of what how you've been designed to operate. When you find yourself in a room with someone who has that center colored in, so that person is designed to have more of a one-track mind, to make up their mind and stick to it to be able to kind of have some very strong arguments for their case and not really want to hear other opinions or entertain other arguments. That can be super triggering, right? One to the other. Like you're going to feel when you're in a room with that person, you're naturally going to be like, I need to play devil's advocate. How the, how can you be so sure when you haven't even looked at X, Y, and Z, right? And so you're going to naturally want to try and disprove them. They, on the other hand, are going to look at you and be like, oh my gosh, Asia's so wishy-washy. Like yesterday she believed this, now she believes that, right? And you're going to start to feel insecure about that. I have an open head center. My husband has a closed head center. So this happens all the time where I just feel like this like fickle person, even though I know. And when I remind myself of this, I can also be more confident in the fact that that is my strength. My strength is the questioning, is the changing my mind, is looking at things from like a holistic view. Um, so that's another one for you that if you ever feel this pressure to make up your mind, like challenge that because you're not here to have that one opinion. You are here to kind of have a constantly evolving opinion based on who you're with, what you're taking in and where you're at. Wow. <laughs> no one has ever told me more about myself than you just now. I think for people who either know me in person or that have listened to the show and only know me through the podcast are probably like, yep. 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 Yeah. Like, I just feel like you have touched on so many topics that I've talked about on the show, you know, with your, I mean, I just did an episode recently on, um, you know, to, to change your life, you really need to change your inner circle and like the people that you are surrounding yourself with because of those very same things, you know, like I, my mindset is always very much like the answer is always no until you ask. And I've told many of my own personal stories about how I didn't know where things would lead me to or like what the door looked like. But it was like this knowing of, I need to just like figure it out. I need to ask the question that I want the answer to. And then being pleasantly persistent till I find the right one or I, it's just so fascinating to me. So I hope like the people that feel like they know me, even if it's just by way of the podcast are like, wow, yeah, that was Asia to a T. Cause I feel like it really was. 
thank you so much for sharing all that. I just could listen to you like all day. Well, there's so much more to unpack too. That's the hard part. We're just trying to like pull some interesting nuggets. No, totally. And I'm curious. So, okay. There's these percentages of the population that are, you know, generators and manifestors and generating manifestors. How do they differ within their own energies? You know, like how do you, like, why would a, why would someone who is also a manifester differ from me in these areas that I have open that they might have closed? Like, where is that differentiation and how does that come up? Awesome question. Okay. So for example, with manifestors, right? You know how I said that you were an emotional decision maker. And so a lot of your urges are driven by an emotional response to something, basically. There are other manifestors out there who are more intuitive, essentially, decision makers. So for them, their emotions don't actually play into it. They're very intuitive in terms of their urges. And for them, they could, for example, make very spontaneous decisions. Whereas you, like I said, benefit from a little bit of extra time to just make sure and let those emotions settle. So they could be immediate you know, decision makers. Same thing goes, for example, for projectors, right? Like I said, they are the, the guides, kind of the observers. So there are a variety of different types of projectors. There are the projectors that are driven by kind of what we call that that identity center I was just talking about. Some projectors, that's their main decision-making hub. And for them, it's all about their values guiding them. And it's all about kind of really getting their thoughts out in the universe by either talking them through, right? or by um, kind of writing them out, essentially. And then there's projectors that live up in their head and are actually meant to make only purely like mental decisions, weighing pros and cons. So for example, three projectors, right, walk into a coffee shop and there's kind of like a the menu of the coffee shop is up there and they're each going to make that decision of what they want to have in their own way. So let's say the intuitive projector, right? Who's meant to make decisions based on their intuition and knowing they're going to look at the menu and they're going to see whatever, a cortado. And they're immediately going to be like, Oh, I need the cortado. Like they're not even going to think about it twice. That's their order. The self-projected or the one who is driven by their kind of values identity center is going to look at the menu and speak out loud and say, huh, well, I had the vanilla latte yesterday and that was okay, but it was a little sweeter than I liked it to be. I'm feeling like I, you know, already had my matcha this morning. So maybe I should just go for a decaf. And they're talking through their whole decision-making process, not really needing anyone to weigh in, but just because that's how they're going to land on their final decision. And then the mental projector is just going to stand there in silence and look up and basically be going through this like mental analysis of which of these they need to have. And they're going to be thinking through every different like pro and con, right? Like if I get that one, there's a lot of caffeine in it. If I get that, what type of milk do I want? And they're just like living up in their head. And then it's probably going to take a little while for them to come out with their decision. But that's how different these different types can be, right? They're all 
they all use their energy in the same way. And that like those projectors right after having that coffee date, they're all going to need to go home and rest and reset and recharge. But it's like even the decision making process is so different. And that goes for every single aspect of their chart. So there can be other manifestors that are designed to eat very differently from you. Right. There can all manifestors are here to make things happen and initiate and use their voice. But how they use their voice can vary like your voice is strongest when talking about experiences and when being a kind of promote a promoter when you're talking about the things that you love and the things that work for you like on this podcast you are so impactful and people just you say you know this thing worked for you and people go out and buy that thing like that is how you are designed to use your voice and you'll find that it comes so easily to you and you don't even really need to work for it Whereas another manifester, right, they might actually be designed to use their voice to organize resources. So they might be more of like the company leader, visionary, right? That's like saying, okay, we need a bigger team over here. We want to invest in this. And another manifester might be someone who is here to focus more on like the facts and the figures or the storytelling aspect. So really like there's so many different variations. I think there's like 6 billion different unique charts. Wow. So you can imagine how much vari- variety there is, even within those energy types. Mm-hmm. You work with lots of different types of people, individuals, um, married couples, parents. How does knowing human design for an individual and their significant other or their child, which I know you recently started doing human design for children and parents, which I thought was just incredibly interesting, you know, to know Shiloh's information and how she best responds and, you know, navigates her way through the world, even as a person who knows no more than, you know, 50 to a hundred words. I'm just like, wow, it was so informative for me. How, does knowing this information help in these types of scenarios that you've seen with people you've worked with? So I think with couples, the biggest thing is learning to develop a certain level of empathy for your partner that may not have been there before, because we make so many assumptions, right? Around how other people see the world. And if you're together, there's likely a lot of Um, not similarities, but at least a lot of alignment in terms of the things that you value, in terms of the life that you want, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that your energy works in the same way. And so I think understanding your partner's chart can allow you to develop that empathy so that you don't take stuff as personally. So like I said, like in the beginning of my relationship with my husband, I used to take it personally that he wanted to spend so much time alone. Mm. And I thought that it meant that he didn't want to hang out with me. But really what it meant is he didn't want to hang out with anyone. And he would be such a better partner, father, friend, boss when he got that time. So as soon as I understood it wasn't about me, it was about what he needed to kind of be his best self, I could encourage that. And it dramatically changed our relationship, right? And just knowing that, for example, in the mornings, I wake up and I'm ready to rumble, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm like, let's go. What are we going to do today? Because my tank is full. His tank might be empty and he slowly needs to ramp up, right? Throughout the day. So now we have a one-year-old and I take almost all of the morning shifts because I have that energy in me and he needs that time to basically 
ramp up that where he is. And then once he's there, he's happy like stepping in, but he just needs that extra hour, whereas I don't necessarily need it. So it just kind of helps you better understand and maybe even kind of like navigate roles, responsibilities in a way that suits the individual. And then from a parenting perspective, I mean, like you said, especially with young kids, like we have no idea, like they can't articulate what they need, what they want. But what's amazing is little kids are living, breathing expressions of their chart because there's no filtering, nothing. They haven't been conditioned yet by their environment. So they are following their heart, their gut, their emotions naturally, right? They're, they're, they're using their voice exactly as they're supposed to use their voice. They, if they're manifestors, they're doing their thing, right? Because they haven't been told yet that there is a right and a wrong way to do things. They haven't been in a school system that forces a certain structure on them. And so really for kids, what you want to do is just let them be and let them tell you what they need. But that is so, so hard as a parent, because all you want to do is protect, protect them. And, and it's from a place of love that you're trying to get them on a sleep schedule, get them to eat their three meals a day, right? And get them to have their veggies and get all of that. And so understanding your child's human design, I think basically just gives you more confidence as a parent to let go a little bit Mm -hmm. and to just let them do their thing. Like for my son, he actually is supposed to eat more as the day goes on. Like his energy um, kind of consumption as well as like using his energy goes up as the day goes on. And as soon as I knew that I could stop stressing about the fact that he wasn't really into breakfast. Mm -hmm. Right. But before I was like, no, you've got to eat your entire plate. Right. And so it's little things like that, that I think understanding your child's human design can just give you as a parent, more peace of mind, more confidence, and a better understanding of how to kind of support that child to, again, be the best version of that. I think the food consumption part is like so fascinating and that that's even a part of human design because I feel like we're told so many different ways to consume and when to consume food and how and what it should be. And it goes against what naturally feels right, you know, person to person. And that could just be so confusing for people that are looking to change their ways or their composition or, you know, like there's just so many factors. And I, I find that to be particularly interesting that it's like, even down to when you consume food has to do with like how you were the the date, the time and the place that you were born. Like That's just, it's wild. It's wild. And what's funny is your digestion is the same as mine. It's called open taste. And for us, we're supposed to be super particular. So we're people that, and this is just another random example, but if my husband is out and he's trying to be really nice on a Saturday morning and calls me, it's like, Hey honey, would you like a latte? My first question is where from, like, where are you going? Because there are certain places that I'd be like, no, I'm fine. I don't need that latte. And then other places. And I know this is like a very kind of privileged example, but it just goes to show like, I only will really truly enjoy a certain type of latte or a certain type of food. And I, you know, when I'm craving something, I want that particular thing. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so high maintenance. And my husband, who's a totally different type, does not understand. He's like, but I mean, the gas station coffee tastes the same to me as this, right? He just does not understand the specificity of my needs when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. And you're similar. So for us, right, just knowing like you're meant to be particular in a sense. And also we're meant to kind of 
very much go back to basics. Our type thrives when we're having fewer ingredients, seasonal ingredients, less things on a plate. That is what is easiest for us to digest. So knowing that can kind of, um, I think, help a lot in terms of the choices around food, for example, that that you're making. Right. Totally. Oh, I wish that we could just go on forever. I want you to tell people how to find you, how they have the capacity to work with you, connect with you. Um, Your Instagram page is full of so much valuable information. And so is your website. Please tell us in all the ways that we can connect with you, because I feel like you might get flooded after this episode. So I'm sorry in advance. No, I welcome it. I love kind of, you know, helping people understand what this weird world of human design is. And so my Instagram, which is probably the best place to find me is at Alexandra F. Cole, C-O-L-E. And that's, I try to create a ton of content that's really practical and helps kind of break down the chart in very actionable ways. So that's probably the number one go-to place. And my website is alexandracole.com and you can find a ton more information there, including like free downloadables. There's, I, I created kind of a cheat sheet for every energy type. So if you're kind of just starting out, that's a great place to go. Download that cheat sheet and it will give you kind of some immediate ways that you can start to kind of apply that and make the most and of it. And this cheat sheet, then, sorry, I, one question. Yep. This cheat sheet is based off of they're going to enter their birth date time and place, and it will automatically give them what they need. So you would enter, you'll be able to pull up your chart separately, and then you'll see. So if you get your birth time, date and place in there, um, you can do it on my website as well. There's like a link that says, get your chart. Oh, okay. Um, and when you have that, you'll see your energy type. It will be one of those five that we talked about, manifestor, generator, and manifesting generator, projector, or reflector. And then you can download the accompanying Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Um, So I'd say those are the best places to start. Um, My, you know, calendar is also up on the website. And then if you have kids, check out my shop page, which is where you can buy kind of the personalized report for your child's design, which is something that, you know, I've been building out more recently and has been getting a ton of amazing feedback. Mm -hmm. So would love for, for you all to also um, be exposed to that. Yes. would highly recommend that if you have kids, I think that's such an amazing tool. And if someone wanted to, let's say they get their chart, their information, and they're like, I want to just kind of know more about myself, like in, in this setting, is that something that you offer? Are you working one-on-one with people? How does that look? Yes. I work one-on-one with people. So you can book that on my website. I will say I'm, I'm usually I only book three months out. So my calendar may look full, but I'm constantly adding new times. Okay. And if you can't find anything, you can DM me or email me and we'll we'll make it happen. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alexandra. Oh my gosh. This was such a fun conversation. I hope everyone who listened to it enjoyed it and took some really valuable information away from for how they just operate as a person and how they can kind of approach their relationships and their parenting styles just with this better understanding of how they themselves and their the people that are closest to them operate. So thank you. Thank you, Alex. And um, we will see you next time. It was my pleasure. You are such an inspiring manifester <laughs> who's just like living out kind of your chart. So I, I was thrilled to be here. Thank oh, you. thank you. We will see you next time.